The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Radio's finest program of positive book talk, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I'm always here with you as your personal growth success coach on the airwaves, bringing you the authors, the experts, and professionals to help you excel in life Every week we showcase these incredible authors who are brought to you through the charity Be the Star You Are, empowering women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive message programming, and tools for living. Well, we do have a fascinating show for you today with national bestseller Robert Alexander, author of The Kitchen Boy and Rasputin's Daughter. He's returning to our program with his newest novel, Surrounding Revolutionary Russia, The Robinov Bride, and then former IBM executor and contributor to the new book, Be the Star You Are for Teens. Steve Mitchell will join us to talk about the gift of forgiveness. And in our final segment, modern image artist Michael Colavito discusses his third 30 years of developing a new type of photography cinema, which is entirely without computers or special effects programming. So this is all today, all right now, so sit back, relax, and join our party. Well, Robert Alexander graced our airwaves before with his fascinating inside look at revolutionary era Russia with his book, Rasputin's Daughter. Now he's back with the newest insights into the Romanov royal family with the Romanov bride. It is an absolute page-turner. Welcome back, Robert, to Be the Star You Are. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? I am so great, and it's really wonderful to have you back on, and congratulations with yet another great book. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, you you really are fascinated with this era um, and this time in history. You are a scholar of Russian history. And I, I was so fascinated about how you displayed and portrayed the haves and have-nots. I mean, you really painted this picture where I could see it so clearly of the overindulgence of the wealthy, you know, exemplified by all the rare jewels and the diamonds and the tiaras and the fancy dresses and balls and operas, while the peasants were working 15-hour days, six days a week, living in squalor in a cramped basement corner, separated from dozens of other, you know, filthy people who were also just as poor in just by a little simple drape, there, no wonder there was such discontent. But what do you think contributed to this huge discrepancy in power and wealth 
in this wonderful country of Russia at the, um, at, you know, towards the end of the 19th century here because it seemed to be going in the right direction and then it took a left turn. It did take a left turn, unfortunately. You know, I mean, one of the great tragedies about Russia is that, you know, we had this horrible institution of slavery until 1865. And Russia was very similar in that, in that it had the horrible institution of serfdom until 1861. And not many Americans realized that, and not many Americans realized that, I mean, the serfdom there, uh, it was upwards of 40 to 50 percent of the population. That is just so huge. And, and you know, you even, you talk about in the book, The Romanov Bride, how even after serfdom was abolished in 1861, for all these years during the setting of your story, which is the next, you know, 60 years, basically, 50, 60 years, that people, the minute that they saw the soldiers, you know, lifting their whips or their swords, they cowered because they were so afraid of their masters. Yeah, you know, I mean, it takes a long time for a civilization and a culture and a nation after there's been that much oppression and it's sort of in the psyche of the nation for them to really you know, to feel empowered, to feel like they can stand up. And and really, you know, I, I, we all think that the Russian Revolution ended in 1917, 1918, but really the, the, the Russian Revolution for the Russian people ended in 1991, and they were oppressed under the Romanovs, and then they were oppressed under the Red Tsars of Lenin and Stalin and so on. So, you know, it, it's a, uh, to me it's a tr- uh, fascinating period because of what it says about the human spirit and 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 uh, you know the recovery of you know sort of self determination. Well, you know the thing too that that really piqued my attention was I know when I visited the USSR when it was the USSR and everything was Lenin. You know, I mean Stalin right. by that time was not even spoken of, but. I couldn't buy anything unless it had a picture of Lenin on it or pins of Lenin and how he was the great hero. But in The Romanov Bride, you're talking about how he was actually, Lenin was actually under the influence of uh, the German hierarchy and sent over to Russia to kind of undermine things, and that was very interesting to me. Yeah, it was a very difficult period. You know, Russia was coming out uh, of all this turmoil. You know, they had, where we only had 10% uh, illiteracy in the United States at that period, Russia had 90% illiteracy. We're talking about 135 million people. That is unbelievable. And so what But that was a way to keep the peasants down, right? If you couldn't read, you couldn't succeed. Yeah, I mean, they didn't know what was going on, so they believed in, you know, their czar as if he were God on earth. And then Russia went into war with Germany, and Germany was eager to get Russia out of the war. So they sent in these revolutionaries to topple czardom, which, you know, it in fact happened, of course. The Nicholas and Alexandra, you know, fell from their throne in uh, February of 1917. Yeah, it was, it's just so sad because, of course, there's always been the stories of, you know, did did the youngest uh, child survive or whatever happened with that. But you portray the characters in here, the Romanov family, especially Nicholas and Alexandra, and then, of course, Ella, who is uh, one of the spokespersons in here, who is the sister of Alexandra as really being not only kind people, but really loving Russia. 
and really wanting what was the best for Russia. It was just that they got caught up in a difficult time and they inherited so many problems. They didn't get, they really didn't get enough time to correct things, did they? Because of Germany sending in these revolutionaries who really had, who really didn't care. They just wanted to, to have a change of power. Well, thank you so much for reading my book so well and understanding it. Oh, I read it cover to cover. I, I just, I love it. I love this book. It's wonderful. Oh, good. I really appreciate that. And, you know, these were good people trying to do the right things. And, you know, there was the belief at that time that Russia was not, uh, that if they gave too much democracy to the people, that they would be drunk on freedom and not have the education or the literacy to rule themselves. And so they were in sort of this, you know, you know, uh, circle of like, how do we get out of this? How do we help our nation? Uh, Ella, the subject of, of the Romanov Bride, was, of course, uh, Alexandra's sister. And after the revolution, she was given several chances to leave Russia, but she said, no, my fate... Uh, rests and lies with you know the, my country, my adopted country, and the people that I love so much. Well, and what I you know this is something that I never really realized either because I hadn't studied Russian history, and now I really want to dive into it more after uh, reading these books of yours. And we're talking to Robert Alexander, whose new book is The Romanov Bride, and of course he's the author of The Kitchen Boy as well as Rasputin's Daughter, both absolutely superb books, but. How, um, I don't even know what the right word would be, how interconnected all the royal families were. Ella and Alexandra are the granddaughters of Queen Victoria of England, yet right. their father is uh, German. <laughs> their mother's English, so at home they spoke English and German, and then they marry into Russian royalty. They had relatives, I, I guess that was the way it had to be, is if you were royal, you had to marry somebody else of royal heritage. And she, in your book, she talks about her great dislike of Willem of uh, Prussia. Right, who was her cousin. Her cousin. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was uh, Queen Victoria's great strategy, is that all of her nine children should marry other branches of royal families, uh, in Europe so that they would all be interrelated and because of that communication and that personal relationship, they wouldn't uh, go to war. Uh, you know, I mean, to put it in sort of semi-crude terms, and in fact, it wasn't a very good breeding program because you had uh, uh, hemophilia uh, come so quickly uh, from Queen Victoria to her daughter, Princess Alice, who was Alexandra and Ella's mother, and then, and that, it, then it happened with Alexandra's son, who was the heir to the Romanov throne, obviously. Right, and it just, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's all very interesting. They were all very... It's very close. incestual, isn't it? Yeah, it was. But there was the law in the House of Romanov that you could not marry morganatically, meaning you could not marry anyone not of a royal or ruling house. You couldn't marry, a, you know, a count or a, a baron or a countess or... Uh, you know, you had to marry somebody who was a member of a direct ruling family, and that meant that they had to choose their brides and grooms from, you know, uh, Denmark and, and Sweden and England and Germany. You know, so there was a very small pool from which they could, you know, and if they didn't do that, if any of the Romanovs uh, married morganatically, they would be cut off and would not get their, you know, 
legal and and you know income or their you know their royal income household. Yeah, what income. they were entitled to. Well, Ella, who married the into Russian royalty, it sounds like you know he was a very strong man, but um, all in. You know, insinuations here, he was homosexual. He never touched her. She never had children, yet she was devoted to him. But that was considered in those days, it was very taboo. You didn't come out about it. Right. And there's, you know, there's been wide speculation, no confirmation uh, that Grand Duke Sergei was gay. She married him and felt it was her duty to lighten his load. Uh, and, you know, there was the, the thing, the tragic mistake that. The, the Romanovs made through the centuries was that in an era, you know, when there, you know, there, there were many um, revol- revolts throughout history, uh, beginning in the 1760s in Russia, and then 1825, and then in the 1860s again. And rather than deal with, you know, the unrest and invite the people to the table per se and say, okay, what are your grievances? How can we work this out? The Romanovs uh, always dealt with suppression rather than you know uh you know engagement well and, and this was what the huge mistake was when the peasants all had had gathered together to have a very peaceful march of hundreds of thousands of people they dressed in their best sunday clothes probably their one maybe other outfit they had so that were met at the gates with gunfire and many of them were killed had the czar come out and or maybe he needed to be you know, advised differently, but instead he was advised to stay away, they could be dangerous, but that's really what set them off, because they were not being listened to, and it was obvious that no one wanted to hear them, they just wanted to suppress them. Yeah, I mean, they didn't want to be just listened to, they wanted to be heard, and that's, you know, when you have a... a, a, And there's a difference, you're so right. You know, and they wanted a place at the table. And they were coming out, you know, 40, 50 years after serfdom. They're saying, okay, you know, we, you know, actually they were marching for things that you and I probably would have been marching for too, or definitely would have been marching for, you know, child labor laws, compulsory education, you know, things like that, very mild things. And it's just that what you're referring to is Bloody Sunday in 1905 just turned out to be a turning point in in the in the history of the Romanovs. And let's talk for a moment about the other character. I really love the way you designed the book, by the way, to have the two conversations going on. Ella is, is speaking about what's going on from her point of view, both as a, as a royal and then again she, she starts an order of nuns that cares for the sick and she's so devoted. And Pavel, I don't know if that's how I'm pronouncing it correctly, is it Pavel or Pavel? Yeah, no, Pavel. Pavel. And he does, with the way that he approaches it, and he's, his wife and unborn child are killed. Now, is he an actual character, or is he a compilation of what you know, you know, as far as from historical records of people who were, who became revolutionaries? Well, he's uh, actually a compilation of characters, but inspired by one specific character. I found a biography uh, uh, of a revolutionary who fled Russia in the 1890s because he committed so many crimes and was hunted so much. And he fled not just to the United States, but all the way to Fargo, North Dakota. And he reinvented himself as a beloved mathematician, had a brilliant career, went on to the University uh, of Chicago, all the while hiding his murderous past. And I was fascinated by 
when somebody comes up to a difficult situation and, or a crisis, in the case of Pavel when his wife is uh, killed in the demonstrations, or Ella when her husband is blown up by re- uh, revolutionaries, what is the reaction? In the case of Pavel, he turns down a, a path of darkness. Now, a- Ella came upon the same kind of tragedy and horror when her husband is literally blown to bits. But she, she chooses down, forgiveness. Right, and she said she turns down a path of lightness and what can I do for the people? And, you know, and she sells all that she has and opens up this convent that you mentioned and becomes reinvents herself not as a revolutionary but a social revolutionary, I guess you would say, as, uh, you know, as a nun and uh, sort of became the Mother Teresa of Moscow of her time. Well, let's give out your website, Robert. People need to find you, read your books, and we'll look forward to the next one. These are just fascinating, a really incredibly historical look at the story into a revolutionary time, Russia, and especially these, the Romanov family. What is the website? It's Robert Alexander Books, plural, dot com, Robert Alexander Books, dot com. Com, and we'll look forward to your next one. Robert, thank you so much for coming back on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I really appreciate it. When we come back from break, we are going to be continuing to talk about forgiveness when Steve Mitchell joins us. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be back in a bit. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Did you know that teens with low self-esteem who feel they don't fit in are more vulnerable to peer pressure, more likely to have depressive reactions, eating disorders, higher rates of alcohol and drug abuse, criminal involvement, suicide attempts, and be involved with risky behaviors? You can help make a difference by sponsoring this radio program, Be The Star You Are. Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, positive media, and donates positive books to increase literacy. Call 877-944-STAR, S-T-A-R. For more information or visit our website at bethestarur.org. Also, you can make a PayPal donation at www.bethestarur.org. Thank you for helping our youth succeed. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. So you want to start a business? You have many choices. You can start from scratch. You can buy an existing business. You could go into the family business, or you could purchase a franchise. What's the best way to figure out what and how you'll start your business? It is to ask yourself a few questions. First of all, what is the business that you're really passionate about? What do you want to start? What's the product or service that you want to sell? Who will be your customers or clients and what are their demographics? Is your product or service necessary? How are you going to set yourself apart from the competition? What industry are you actually in? How are you going to fund the startup? 
And who do you know that already runs a profitable and successful business in your field? Get in touch with them, brainstorm, get all the information you can, because when you do that, it means you're already halfway there. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business bite. Visit star-style.com. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature Star Style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel Where the world comes to talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, I'm glad that you stayed with me. Thank you so much for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am your personal growth coach, Cynthia Bryan. And my purpose in providing you this radio program is to communicate to you that you already possess everything you need to be the producer, the writer, the director, and the star of your own life. We also want you to smile, have fun, and be willing to be wild and crazy. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to be the star of your own life. For in-person or phone consultations to jumpstart your dreams, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-STAR. And this is from Isaac Asimov, who was a writer 1920 to 1992. I don't subscribe to the thesis, let the buyer beware, but I prefer the disregarded one that goes, let the seller be honest. I like that in light of our business bite today that is about creating business. I think that's what we all need is to be honest. Well, I wanted to, before we go to our next guest, Steve Mitchell, who's going to be talking to us about the gift of forgiveness, just give a little bit about the book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, that will be debuting soon. You'll be able to get copies. You can actually pre-order right now if you go to the website, star-style.com, go to the bookstore, and we can get you pre-orders. And as soon as they come, you'll get them before they hit the books, before they actually are in the stores. But we are also getting ready for our 10th anniversary celebration of Be the Star You Are charity. Can't believe that it's been 10 years now. And that's going to be held on September 13th to celebrate. Our youth volunteers have organized what we're calling a book and bands bash. It'll be the launch of the book of Be the Star You Are, as well as a dance party to celebrate the 10 years. We'll be having several contributors to the book. 
including Steve, who is uh, our next guest, will be there autographing. 13 is the lucky number. There will be uh, 13 different sets of, uh, of music. There'll be 13 book contributors. The price to get in is only $13. We're going to have lots and lots of raffles, but probably 13 separate ones. So for more information, you can go to bethestaryouare.org. And if you'd want to buy a book and get a party ticket for a good $5 savings, you can do that, bethestaryouare.org. Click on 10th Anniversary, and you'll find everything that you need right there. So we hope to see you there with your party shoes on, and we want you to save a dance for us. Well, when I began writing the book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, I had dinner one night with a friend of a friend who asked for some advice on writing his own book. I'm not sure if I encouraged him or discouraged him on living his own dream of being an author, but he did decide to write a chapter for the new book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, and it's a very important chapter. It's called The Gift of Forgiveness. The author of it is Steve Mitchell. May I introduce you to him? Hello, Steve, and welcome to Be the Star You Are. Hi, Cynthia. Great to talk to you. I'm glad that you are able to join us today. Well, By the way, I'm, my la- birthday is November 13th, if you want to throw another 13 in there. Yes, November 13th. There you go. So all the 13th, it's a good day, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to be there on September 13th, so people can get your autograph as well. Well, before we talk about the gift of forgiveness, I just wanted to uh, talk about a few of the changes that have happened in your life since you last spoke. For one, you were an executive for many years at IBM, and you were working with international clients. I remember you were on the phone, or you had a conference with China shortly after we met. And that hasn't, that's no longer the case. You're still doing your philanthropic work with the Junior Achievement? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. And so, how is what is what's going on with your life right now? <laughs> oh, I have a lot of things going on. I did leave IBM. I am still. I've got oh, probably ten different projects in the works. Uh, one is probably to start working again at some point. Uh, <laughs> there's some other. Uh, there's some really interesting things that I could probably take a lot of time on here, but won't. Um, a friend of mine's a. Um, artist and designer, you know her as Dina. Uh, she's one of the top um, uh, designers in the, on the, in the country. We're working with her and uh, some folks at Pixar to maybe make a little cartoon. Oh, uh, that and, would be and very it, it, it's interesting. Her characters are called Happy. They're these ca- happy characters, and the, the whole premise for the cartoon will be the only way these characters become happy is by making other people happy. The wonderful, wonderful theme. Oh, so I just, love that. Yeah, well, we're working on the we um, working on the beta now, and uh, it's really fun. Well, let's talk about the what you wrote because you will soon be published here. It's called the Gift of Forgiveness, mm-hmm. and it it's such. We were just talking about how some people take the path of darkness and some people take the path of lightness. But one of the most important things that we can do in life is to forgive not only others but to forgive ourselves. Would you like to tell us about your uh, contribution and what made you want to write The Gift of Forgiveness? Yeah, thanks, Cynthia. I um, During our dinner, which was amazing to me, and thank you very very much for all of your help, uh, we started to talk about the book. And try, as you explained to me what you, the message you were trying to send to teens, it, it, and asked me, then we spoke about me being a contributor, you know, I thought about my own life. And I've had, you know, I've evolved over time. I'm from a family where my parents divorced at two years old. I understand now how I internalize that and how all kids that are in that 
uh, position tend to blame themselves and keep, you know, take that personally when truly that had nothing to do with us as children, but certainly was a parent issue. I think we'd all agree to that. But as you said, Steve, children don't see it that way. No, when they a don't. You know what? Family, and I'm living proof, and, and probably based on, you know, 50% of the audience is probably in the same boat. We don't. So the message, that when I started to think about what I'd write, the message, the two-part message for me was to, to tell to teens is it's not, it's not your fault. Uh, a, a divorce is certainly between parents, and, and everybody's trying to do the right thing you know, for the team, right, the family. And in any case, um, that can really knock us back a few paces as we start to mature and develop our lives and kind of become the star we are. Sorry to steal your tagline. Thank you. I love it when you do. <laughs> so, uh, not, so the first message is about, you know, a little bit about me and about, you know, m- me waking up. I have this vision of myself as a little six-year-old looking out at the world and saying, what is something isn't right here? What is going on here? And, and that actually put me on my path, my own personal path, to uh, help myself evolve and really try to answer that question. So my first learning was that clearly that, um, that, was, that was really should not, what was not a reflection on me, but on the conditions of, you know, my, the, and the relationship that my parents have. And, and, and then the message there is, your parents truly love you. Now that I am a parent myself and have been for 20-some-odd years now, there is no way uh, that, that I would ever believe that parents do not love their children more than, than life itself. It's just, a, it's, you know, I don't, you know, I have many, 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 many friends with children. Of course, that's, that's uh, you know, that's what we all share. The next, the next part that was so important for me was to learn about forgiveness, not only for other people uh, it, that I may feel have harmed me, but also for myself. And I learned a really good trick that I, and I can't even remember where that I, I added in my um, section of the book. And it's about, it's about how we all filter um, our relationships with people and people that we may have wronged us or may have harmed us or maybe that we're uncomfortable with at some point. Maybe we, they have more power over us than we think they should. And it's a fun trick that some, that's really hard to do in the beginning in some cases, but it's about, it's about uh, giving, loving that person that you most are mad about, if you will or loving that person that you harbor negative feelings about. Gerald Jamplowski, I think it was, wrote a book called Letting Go. Love is Letting Go of Fear. Right, and how he's and it was wonderful. Oh, my God. It's it was, all it's about a, forgiveness because yeah. it's the greatest healer of all. And, and, and so I've kind of I've measured that through my life, and, and I found that when, when fear is there, love is not, and when, when love is there, fear is not. So it really is that letting go of these powerful... Um, you know, emotions that we have about things that may be negative in our life. Uh, What I love about what you did in this chapter that I think is going to be so beneficial, besides those three really main points that, like, in a divorce for a child, it's never your fault, you're not Mm -hmm. the cause, two, your parents love you, and three, forgiveness is key, is this exercise that you created that's called forgive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just think it's amazing because it's, by you doing it first, basically, it's like yep. almost going 
being the first one to lend out the hand. And would you talk about that a little bit? Because it's important to do that for others as well as for ourselves. And as you said, sometimes it's really hard if somebody's really made you mad or hurt you or or has done something, attacked you in a way that you just feel like, oh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I can do this. But we need to do it for ourselves as well as for the other person. And the interesting thing about forgive really means give before the the incident, if you will, has taken place. Yeah, so, so and, and it's kind of, so this is the evolution. The evolution is, that. yes, to let go of a strong negative emotion you may have for someone or sometimes even something that supposedly has harmed you because that really zaps your energy and zaps your power. But the next step beyond that is to forgive before that incident or issue ever happens. And what that means is, I'm in a place that I know that things are not happening to me, but happening around me. And in fact, actually are happening to help me get to where I need to go, if that makes any sense. Yes, because you call this seek and shower with love practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really when anything bad is happening, instead of reacting and responding, which will probably be negative, you instead kind of diffuse by showering all this light and love and goodness around you and and knowing in your heart because you've already created this forgive atmosphere that it's not you don't want it to come from fear you want it to come from love yes and, and I will I what I would say so what we're talking about is if someone has made you mad or somebody in your life that has made you mad for years and has tremendous power over you or or maybe you're intimidated by them Hold that person in your mind or see them in your mind and, and, and love them as much as you possibly can. Not only love them, but see them being successful. See them winning. See them gaining what they want. See them in a happy family, in a happy employment, you know, in, in their lives being happy. The change that will happen immediately, this is not a pro- process that takes five, ten years. This is a process that takes you know, 25 It's a lifetime seconds. process. I think it's something that's ongoing. We're yeah. always working on being more loving and more mm-hmm. forgiving. Make it, when, when, you can, when you can do that certain, to, to the, the most difficult people in your life, the rest kind of fall into place. And the next thing you know, you're much more in tune with who you are and that you're much more comfortable with... Um, you know, your surroundings, and, and that fear tends to subside because it's that fear with the things, that's, it's the things that the people that we feel have harmed us, and guess what? They're probably not thinking about harming us as we may think they have, or they probably... Or they might not be thinking about us at all. Uh, they're, yeah, they're probably, not, they're probably not. We really do tend to, we really do tend to take, and this is probably for a whole other show, but there are kind of pictures that we hold in our mind and you know and, and they have different textures to them and they're bright and a lot of times I don't know why we do this but we make the the most scary negative things the biggest and the things that are most pleasant and pleasing to us we tend to ignore those for whatever reason um but in any case to keep to to and Cynthia knowing you as I do I think you do this automatically. I've never seen anyone that really loves the people that they meet as much. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Steve. I think it's so important Mm -hmm. to exude as much love as possible Mm -hmm. because just as you were saying about the cartoon that you are are working on, you know, the more that you shower, give out love, the more it bounces back because all we are is mirrors of one another. Mm -hmm. Well, Steve, I'm so glad that you came on the show to share the gift of forgiveness. I'm looking really forward to having you autograph books and uh, to share all your insights. And for other people, you can find out more at BeTheStarYouAre.com of what's happening with Steve. Is there any website you wanted to give out, Steve? No, we're good. I'm going to whatever we do, we'll put through. That's good. We'll put it at BeTheStarYouAre.com. So we'll see you soon. That was Steve Mitchell. Thank you so so much for joining me on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. And congratulations on all your success. And just keep playing while you can. I will. Thanks. Good luck. <laughs> Love it. Well, when we come back from break, we are going to take a little side trip, and we are going to be talking modern art with organic painter Michael Colavito. Stay tuned. More to come. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. BeTheStarYouAre.org Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. 
I sure appreciate you tuning in to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where you're going to find us every single week, well, ever since 1998, that is, bringing you the authors, the experts, and the professionals who inspire you to greatness, or at least we hope that they make you think about following your heart and living your dream, and the show's brought to you under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. Visit org. Make a tax-deductible contribution. Everything's appreciated. Click on the Donate Star button. Well, for years, Michael Colavita's agent has been pitching his artistry to me, encouraging us to book Michael on this show. And I have to say, frankly, I wasn't sure how I was going to promote art when radio is such an audio medium. But this week, Michael donated a piece of his artwork to Be the Star You Are charity. And now, seeing the work in person, I can better understand his process. It's taken Michael Colavito more than 30 years to perfect what he calls modern image painting. He's with us today. He's live on the airwaves painting his beautiful personality. Welcome, Michael, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Cynthia. I really appreciate being here. Well, thank you for your patience for all these years of, of waiting. It's really great. Well, you definitely have a fan and a, and a persistent promoter in Christiana, so you got to give her a big, big hug. Well, tell us, Michael, how you create your modern photography, cinema art, entirely without computers or special effects, editing, because it, when you look at it, it looks like it is a photograph that has been computer-generated. Yes, what I've been trying to do for my entire life as an artist is be a completely original with regard to not copying artists before me. I love movie film, and I love still photography very deeply. So for about 25 years, what I did was to create an art form called Colavito Modern Image Painting, based on a regard for the purity of filming without computers, without special effects editing, etc. So essentially what I do is on an original piece of film or on one movie frame at a time, I will layer through the photographic process, keeping it completely natural and organic. I layer my other arenas of art on the film, before I even sit with a photographic subject, you know, that's usually a person. I've been shooting a lot of celebrity subjects lately. Right, and we'll talk about that in a minute. They're really interesting. So, so, again, essentially what I'll do is I do a lot of bronze sculpting. I do a lot of oil painting. And, again, I love photography first. So what I will do is set up my large format view camera, and I will photograph up to 10, 15 paintings or sculptures at a time and layer those images on the piece of film. Now, typically, if I were at this point to go to the processing lab, you know, and develop the film, you would see the sculptures appearing in many places on the film. But instead, what I do is I do not process the film until I sit with a photographic subject and I capture their portrait image. So what you see now, the resulting image, final image on the piece of film, after it is developed, will be a face shot or a body shot. Essentially, you'll see the subject, and you'll see an array of different art that's basically married to their portrait. So as you said, it's, it's very different with regard to no use of computers, because moving forward with photography in the last 10 years, 
everybody runs to like Adobe Illustrator or some retouching program, and they can essentially put together images after capture. I do all of this on the original negative, really as a regard and tribute to the art form of photography, being such a pure art form that took about 100 years to really establish itself alongside painting and sculpting. Well, Michael, I'm looking at some of the portraits um, that you've done of celebrities, and are we allowed to say names? Of course. Okay, so, for example, you're working with uh, Robert De Niro or Cindy Lauper or Montel Williams or Jeff Koons, for example, and they're extremely colorful. So how are you getting the colors onto their facial expressions? What is the look that you're, look, you know, that you're going to capture, and, and how does that color, how does the imaging come into it? Every bit of the color that you see or the vibrant, you know, saturated images or, or parts of the image are from the sculptures or from the oil paintings that I do. I do absolutely no special effects editing whatsoever, and this includes use of color filters, use of projecting images of color of different types on the subject. I don't do any of that. What I do essentially is, as I, I first described, I'll, I'll do an oil painting. Let's call it an abstract oil painting. Very colorful, very vibrant, you know, with natural oils. I then photograph that painting on a piece of film. And, of course, there's many different film emulsions that are available to use. With regard to the images you're speaking about that are very colorful, I will typically use a very saturated color film so that when I photograph the painting and now it's a part of the actual film emulsion, it's very vibrant and it's very, you know, vivid, so the colors jump out at you. I then take that piece of film, and whether it be a celebrity subject or, you know, a paid commission, I take, you know, very, very careful time to pose my subject correctly, because without that we still don't have anything special. And once I like the composition and click the shot away, you know, the result is a combination of the two. So we're really marrying all those colors in that other arena of art to the portrait sitting. Oh, it's fascinating. Well, I want to talk about what you have so generously donated to Be The Star You Are, and thank you so much for that, is an FAO Schwartz tricycle that you completed about uh, around 2003, in the year 2003. And what it is, is it is a photo of a tricycle. The colors, again, are vibrant in purples, blues, you know, pinks. But tell us about how you did this one. So you shot it. And then what, did the, what was the color process there? What I actually did with that particular image many years ago, I had decided to break my art into different categories. So when people, you know, ask about the different arenas of art, there are, you know, different ones to choose from. One such category is painting with light, where I will take fiber optics light wands, and while the photographic image is being exposed, I am physically, with these wands, moving them around so that the film and the lens and the you know, camera sees what I'm doing. That's a painting with light category. Then I have a motion category where I will take subjects and actually move them or move the camera to create the motion on the film. I, of course, have another category, which is about body form. It's called body, sex, and art. And there I typically photograph the human form and then marry these other objects 
and this other painting with light or paintings to the body form. With regard to the picture you're asking about specifically, I went through a period where I would search and, and look to find very unique objects that I could in turn paint and use as some of the objects in the resulting photographs. So at some antique fair, I noticed that FAO Schwartz, really, really old, it must have been 100 years old, wooden tricycle that was really beat up, and I thought, oh, wow, this is something I could really restore you know, and bring to life with vibrant and vivid colors. So I painted the tricycle, and what I did to create the motion and the effect you see is I first photographed it with the 8x10 view camera while it was sitting still. So now we have in place on the film the tricycle. Now what I wanted to do was to create movement so that it kind of looked like the tricycle was streaking color, and then, of course, it was permanently placed in a, a set position. Yeah, and it the way looks I like did it's that, streaking across the, the, uh, the format. It really does. Yeah, oh, thank you. And, and actually what I did there is I moved the camera during a 10-minute time exposure so that I was creating the blur from the actual colors that I painted on the tricycle to begin with. So when you look at the final image, you know, you don't know that I spent 10 minutes to create the motion part and then several minutes to photograph the still tricycle. You just see this resulting, you know, blur of color into the solid form. And that's basically, again, one of the concepts or one of the techniques behind the painting with light slash motion category. And these are still categories that you're still working in, correct, the three categories? Or you're, are you going more towards working with um, the individual human uh, body more? You know, I do a little bit of everything, and for about 30 years I've been migrating back and forth. You know, I've built up each category so that within the scheme of my schedule, you know, I do very, as you, as you hear, I do diversified arenas of art. Well, and you and also I don't do favor any art, one right? particular arena. Lately, I've been getting so much attention because I've been using all of this art to inspire people and to create revenues through charities. Right, and I wanted to talk about that because you've been doing, you really, you have a commitment to connect people and art while raising money for charity. So you've had the Colavito Earth Project and the art film, the Chasing Originality. These are all ones that you have uh, given for art, for uh, charity? Yes. Uh, for, for all of these years, I've been creating portraits of varying ethnicities from varying countries, totaling about 50 to 60 countries now. And it's taken within this 25 to 30-year period. I've been continuing the project. And my motive is truly to use this art to not just inspire the viewers, as I've been doing, but to then, once the inspiration has been created and I've watched so many masses of people be really moved and intrigued by this new art style without computers, I decided, I mean, I really enjoy creating art and being original. But what good is art if people really can't gain from it and, and benefit from it? Even if I'm very successful as an artist and I'm selling, you know, multitudes of originals to collectors and it just goes on their walls for the, you know, their personal pleasure, that doesn't really have an impactful and enormous reach to get people, you know, involved with this whole art process that I'm doing. So fortunately, many of the greatest artists of today, like Chuck Close and Jeff Koons, and you mentioned Robert De Niro, 
recently Mayor Bloomberg, one by one, their reaction to my art is the first most important thing that I care about. Because if I can reach them, and they're truly moved, especially these great icons that really aren't easily impressed, well, then I realize, wow, there's some impactful and powerful, you know, possibilities for the art, again, to reach masses of people. And I've created so many pieces of art dedicated to these projects. The film that you mentioned, Chasing Originality, is a film that really moved and intrigued Robert De Niro because he heard clearly and saw at the same time that I did this process in movie land. Essentially what I did was I took 22,000 individual movie frames. That was a, that's a lot of frames when I yes, read that. Yes, it really that's is. a huge was, amount of work. And it was 15 months, about 10 hours a day, where one by one I layered so many images on each frame. And it's really, really you know, pretty mesmerizing when you see it come to life in motion. So I've captured the interest and the attention of these great artists, you know, really with a purpose, um, specifically with that film Chasing Originality now. You know, I've been on TV several times promoting the film and its sale, and we're really reaching out to try to get several million dollars, half of which is going directly to a multitude of charities so that the world can really see an artist who really cares and loves art, but really wants to use it so that it's purposeful. So and I'm very, very happy about that project. I'm sorry? I said you want to make a difference with your art. That Absolutely. is what sets you apart. Absolutely. And I know that you've been compared, you've been called like the modern-day Picasso or the next Picasso, and I know you don't want to be compared to anyone because you want to be an original, but when you hear things like this, what is your reaction? Well, well, firstly, when I hear names like that, I never mind that much because being original is really what I strive for. But people like Picasso, for instance, was, you know, one of the originators of Cubism and a new art form in his own right. So it's, it's wonderful to hear because, you know, I'm really not treading in anyone's footsteps. And when people, you know, mention other names, they're really speaking to the platform that these artists through their careers have established because of their originality. Well, so in your platform, your new art is called Colavito Modern Image Painting. Yes. And I want to give out your website and let people also know that you take commissions as well. Oh, yes. So you can go to michaelcolavito.com, and Colavito is spelled C-O-L-A-V-I-T-O, michaelcolavito.com. Do you mind if I give a phone number out, Michael? No, I don't mind at all. The all right. uh, phone and number is 212-956-2920. 212-956-2920. Well, Michael, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. And on behalf of the charity Be The Star You Are and whoever it is that will will uh, have the opportunity to purchase this beautiful piece of art that you have sent to us, the tricycle. Thank you so much for your generosity. It's my absolute pleasure, and I want to thank you very much for your program and for allowing art to air and to be spoken about on your program. And for over 10 years, as you, I heard you say, since 1998, you've been doing a wonderful thing, bringing art into the mainstream, whether it be the type of art that I'm doing or... I mean, all of your celebrity subjects and subjects in general are really committed to doing something that's useful and purposeful for people, and I really commend you, and 
you know, congratulate you, you so on what much, you're doing Michael, with your show. And it's been a pleasure. Again, visit michaelcolavito.com to see the piece of art that he's donated to Be The Star You Are. You'll be able to see it at bethestarur.org, and you can bid on it if you wish. You could also see it at bethestarurradio.com and go to the interview for today. Thank you so much, Michael. I am Cynthia Bryan, and it's been my pleasure to be with you today. Thank you all for being great listeners, and may we all be together next week as we celebrate once again. Our aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. Read a book, enjoy some art, and be the star you are. See you next week. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Ciao for now. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are nonprofit corporation, please visit bethestarur.org. That's bethestarur.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seeker.